There's a, there's a topic that if you do a quick little internet search, uh, you're going to find an exhaustive amount of information on, and that's goal setting. You, know, you don't have to look very far to find just about everything you could ever want to find on the topic of goal setting as to what is a goal and how to set a goal and what that goal should look like and uh, maybe part of the problem is sometimes the goals that this uh, industry is trying to get you to set are not maybe the goals you should be focused on, but they're, you know, a lot of good information on goal setting. Uh, we go through that with young people all the time. Uh, in the industry that I work, we're working with young people in 4-H, and the first thing we want them to do, what is your goal? What's your goal for your project? What's your goal for the year? What do you want to get accomplished? And we drive that point home. And yet when it comes to our spiritual life, it seems like we just want to let things happen. Let's just go with the flow. Let's do good. Let's, let's just roll with the punches and see, see what happens. And so I want to talk to you about spiritual goals for a little bit uh, this afternoon. Uh, spiritual goals are the most important kind of goals that we can have. You know, we think about goals that people said, and they said, well, we want to pay off our car, or we want to pay off our house, or we want a new car, or a new house, we want a better job, we want this, we want that, and they set goals and, and are very diligent at accomplishing that and meeting those benchmarks that they've set forth and getting things done. But spiritual goals are so much more important. Spiritual goals have a uh, bearing on where we're going to spend eternity. And I guess when you start thinking about goals, our number one goal and our overarching uh, goal is to get to heaven. That's what we all want. We want to go to heaven. Uh, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, but what are some things that are going to help us get there? Well, I think there's two different kinds of goals we'll talk about a little bit today. One of those are our personal spiritual goals. Things that we ourselves must accomplish, must set a goal to do and accomplish. And the other are congregational goals. This church as a congregation as a whole has certain goals that it needs to set and that it needs to meet in order to serve the needs of the membership, in order to be in accordance with the Word of God. So we'll talk about those congregational goals uh, a little bit as well. I guess to start with, we need to just ask the question, why do we need to have goals? Why do we even have goals? What's the point of that? Well, in, in the industry, in the goal-setting industry, you read any of those books, and it's going to tell you that if you want to get from point A to point B, you need incremental goals as you go along in order to get there. Or you're going to get off track. You're going to chase a rabbit somewhere else. Or you're going to go try to do something different than what your goal is. But if you have those incremental goals that you can measure that you can look at and determine you're going to get from point A to point B. And that's what this verse in Proverbs summarizes. The wise man of old in Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. It just doesn't get any simpler than that. If we don't have goals, we're not going to get to the end point. If we don't have things we want to get and accomplish along the way, we're never going to get there. We'll get somewhere else. We'll wind up in, in some place we never intended to be and never wanted to be. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They perish. And so you need goals, spiritual goals, the kind of goals that are going to get you from point A to point B, point B being heaven. That's where we want to get. That's where we're going to end up. And we need goals to get there. You know, we're not promised 
tomorrow. And anytime we start talking about the future and things that are going to happen two years or five years or ten or twenty, sometimes that makes us uncomfortable because we know we are not promised that amount of time. The Bible says, what is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time. The Bible says that the, that the coming of the Lord will be as a thief in the night. We won't know when it's coming. We don't know when to expect it. The Bible says that if we're going to do something in the future, we ought to say if the Lord wills, we'll go and we'll buy and sell and do this and that. And so I preface this whole study with the idea of that if the Lord wills, these are things that, that must be done. We've got, and I'll, I'll share some of these as we go along, but we've uh, put together a, a short little document that's got goals for this congregation. Things that we want to accomplish. Things that are action items that need to be done now or within a very, very short period of time. Things that we'd like to see done in, in two to three years and, and three to five years and five to ten and ten to twenty and on down the line. I realize... 20 years may never come. But we have a responsibility to prepare for it if it does. So if the Lord wills, we want to do these things. These are goals that we want to accomplish if the Lord wills, time should stand. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We could just coast along. And we could just maybe grow some here and there by accident. Maybe shrink some here and there by accident. And this congregation might roll on for years and years, but it might not. It might shrivel up and die. It might not exist. And so goals are extremely important if we don't want to perish. Let's talk about your personal goals. What are your personal goals today? Your personal spiritual goals. Not personal physical goals. Now, on that document for the church, you're going to see some physical goals too because there's some physical things we need to accomplish. Your life's no different. There's some physical goals that you need to accomplish in your life. You know what those are, you can set those, you can accomplish those. Uh, we're not so much interested in those things today. We're interested in your spiritual goals. I'm going to talk in broad terms today about some goals. Three very simple things, personal goals that you should have. You need to be much more specific in your life. When you leave this place, you need to write down some much more specific goals than what I'm going to talk about. Because again... You got to have those little incremental things to get you from point A to point B. And so these three things are things that are big picture items that must be accomplished, that need to be accomplished, and you're going to need smaller goals in order to get you to these points. Number one, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, that should be goal number one in your mind. What's keeping you from obeying the gospel? It's because you think you don't know enough? Is it because you're concerned about the commitment that you're going to have to make after you obey the gospel? Is it because you like the sins that you're living in and you want to continue to live in those sins? What's keeping you from obeying the gospel? Because that should be your number one goal. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You obey that Gospel uh, through obeying a form of it. 
in Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So the gospel's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, and there's a form of that doctrine which has been delivered to us which we can obey. If you look up in the first part of Romans chapter 6, he outlines that very clearly. When he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto His death. He goes on to say that we're made in the likeness of His death, planted in the likeness of His death, so that we can be also in the likeness of His resurrection. So baptism is the form of that doctrine. When we obey Him in baptism, our sins are washed away. Shouldn't that be your goal? To have your sins washed away? If your ultimate goal is to get to heaven, let me tell you something very clearly this afternoon. You are never going to get there without your sins being washed away. It will not happen. No way. No other path. But to first have your sins washed away. And we do that through baptism. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When the people on the day of Pentecost heard the message of the gospel of Christ, they didn't say, let me think about it a little bit. Let me see if I can find a different way around. Let me see if I can do something else. They said, what do we need to do? We don't care what it is. They would have walked through fire. If Peter would have said, uh, you got to get up here and light these coals on fire and get them really, really hot, and you got to march right across those coals of fire in order for your sins to be forgiven. You know what? 3,000 people we would have read about got up and marched across those coals. But he didn't say march across coals of fire. He said, be baptized. Be baptized. And what did they do? It says, uh, Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it says, They that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Obedience to the gospel. Goal number one. If you haven't done that, why not? What's holding you up? What's stopping you? We're going to talk about other goals today. But if you're here today and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to dwell on that goal. For the rest of this sermon, for the rest of the time I talk, you need to dwell on that goal. And why you haven't done that and what can help you do that because nothing else I'm going to say matters. You've got to obey the gospel. Critically important. Personal goal number two, not only is it enough to obey the gospel, once you've obeyed the gospel, you need to help others figure out how to do that as well. Help others figure out how to obey the gospel. Bring others to Christ. Bear fruit for Him. Now when we talk about bearing fruit, we read in John 15 and verse 8 that herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. We're talking about the mark of a disciple of Christ. The mark of a follower of Jesus is that we bear fruit. And we do that in different ways, I believe. I've heard it said that the only way to bear fruit is to bring other Christians to, to Jesus. To bear fruit in that way. That corn produces more corn and so Christians produce more Christians. That's absolutely true. I don't think that's the only way we bear fruit. 
If we back up there in John 15 and verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. So we've got to abide in Jesus in order to produce fruit. How do we abide in Him? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We're glorifying God, we're glorifying Christ when we keep the commandments that Jesus has given us. We're abiding in Him. We're bearing fruit. Now the other part of that equation certainly is that we've got to bring others to Christ. That's part of being a Christian. Spreading that message. Bringing others to Him. Acts 8 and verse 4. People were persecuted in the days of the early church. Beyond what we can possibly imagine, they were persecuted. We, we think we're persecuted when somebody says, hey, those Christians are no good. Hey, those Christians, you shouldn't follow them. Hey, those Christians, they're hating on people. Boy, we think that's persecution. And it is to some extent. Not like these folks face. They were killed. They were tortured. People were after them. And it says that as a result of that, they were scattered abroad. They, they didn't have the, the liberty to come together like we are this morning and this afternoon and get together and have lunch together and and enjoy one another's company and talk about Jesus. It says they were scattered abroad. Scattered abroad, running for their lives. And what did they do? Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. They preached the Gospel. They were trying to bear fruit. They were planting and they were watering. They were doing all they could do to bear fruit. Why? Because that's our job. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. Bear fruit. That should be a personal goal. If you're not bearing fruit, what's holding you up? What goals can you set more specifically? You know, it's easy to set a goal. I want to bear fruit. Well, that's great. That's great to sit here and talk about. What do you personally need to do? Do you need to make a note to make a phone call to somebody? Do you need to make a a note to go share the word with somebody? What specifically can you do to bear fruit? Make that goal. Make that personal. Make sure that you're, you're following through with that. And finally, your personal goal should be to endure and overcome. Let's make an effort to get through this life. Endure it. It is an endurance test to survive with your faith. The devil's after your faith. He wants to strip it away from you. He wants to take it away. And our goal has to be to endure, to overcome it, to make it through. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He says, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Should be easy to endure and overcome, shouldn't it? But it's not. I've got sins in my life that I know are a problem. I know they are. I've pointed them out myself. Others have pointed them out to me. And this is a problem right here. And here's how you deal with it. Here's studies. Here's what you do. Here's scriptures you should look at to help fix that. And yet they still continue to be a problem. And that can be very frustrating. Hard to endure those things sometimes. He says, lay them aside. Day by day, lay them aside. Lay them aside and get through that day. And the next day, you can lay it aside for another day and get through that day. And the next day, you can lay it aside and get through that day. And not be thinking about, oh, 
got to deal with this for my life. Just deal with it for that day. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Deal with it for that day. Make it through that day in order to do that. Matthew 10 and verse 22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth till the end shall be saved. It's an endurance race. And we need to, to think about what we must do to endure because he that endures to the end shall be saved. There we are at that end goal. There we are at heaven. Enduring until the end. So your personal goals. Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you bearing fruit? Are you abiding in Him and teaching others about Jesus? And are you enduring day by day? Working to overcome. Those are personal goals. Now like I said, you've got to make specific goals in each of those areas in order to help you get there. You've got to put, past, put aside those things that are besetting you and reach forward to those things that are before. So let's talk now about congregational goals. Congregational goals. Collectively, we all should come together and have some goals that we want to accomplish. People say uh, oftentimes they go to church for what the church can give them. We need to be concerned about what we can give to the church. What do we bring to the church? That should be a two-way street. The church should help us out. We should help the church out. If we're just mooching and milking off the church, it's like we're a parasite. We're a drain. We need to be giving to the church. We need to be putting our time, resources, and efforts into the church to help it to accomplish its goals. And so the first goal I have there is not unlike that personal goal. It's the spreading of the gospel. It's the spreading of the message of Christ. Shouldn't that be a goal of the church? And so we've made some notes of some things that are goals for the church in, in terms of that, spreading the message. In a few years, we want to be able to give more money to evangelistic support, uh, not just here locally, but across the U.S. and across the world. We want to be able to allocate more resources for that to that end because that's important. It's not just important that people here in this community hear the message of Christ. It's important that people all over the world hear the message of Christ. That was the great commission given. Go ye into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's our goal. That's a God-given, Christ-given goal to the church that we need to make sure that we accomplish. This speaking of the apostles in the early days of the church, it says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ every single day. They didn't let a day go by that they didn't share the message of Jesus. That's what they were after. They knew that was their goal. They knew that was important. They knew that was their job. Preach the gospel. They did it publicly. They did it privately. And so we've got some goals in, in terms of our congregation that we want to help to do that. There are several men that are currently going through a training in order to help them understand how to present home studies, to study in the home, to present the gospel in the home, and share that message with people. You know, we, we talk about it being important to invite people to church, and I, I'm all about that. You should be inviting people to church. But you know the truth and the fact of the matter is a very small percentage of those people you invite to come and sit in the assembly are just going to say, you know what, sure, I'll come and sit in the assembly. Maybe those that you have a personal relationship with, those that, that want to come and, and be there just specifically for you. But like Brother Zane said uh, not long ago, when you ask somebody if they want to study the Bible or if they like to study the Bible, most people say, sure, 
At the very worst, they say no. But then if they say they'll study, you have an opportunity to get in their home, to form that relationship, to build that trust. And then down the line, they're going to come and be a part of the assembly. And so the spreading of the message of the, of the gospel is of critical importance, both daily, uh, both publicly and both house to house. And that's what this verse in Acts 20 and 20 says. How I kept back nothing that was profitable from you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And so those studies are of, of utmost importance. We've set a goal that we want new, three new families in this congregation every year. Three new families. You just think about the growth that can occur if we can add three new families to this congregation every year. There won't be many seats that are empty before long. And there won't be many things that we can accomplish when we have that many more people working towards these common goals of serving the church, of serving the Lord, of outreaching and doing studies and things of that nature. Uh, so goal number one is spread the gospel. And we've got several specific goals related to that. And I'll post these goals in the back after the assembly. And you can read those. If you want an electronic copy of them, you can get those. We'll share those with you. But... Several specific things about how we spread the gospel, both locally here in this area and uh, across the, the nation and the world. The second goal of, a, of the congregation is to edify the membership. And again, this is laid forth in the scriptures very plainly and clearly, that it's the job of the church to edify its membership. I mentioned that's a two-way street. Part of that's what we can give to the church. Part of that's what the church can give to you. And the church can edify you. It has a responsibility to edify you. 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Excel to the edifying of the church. The church needs to edify you. You need to feel fed. I've talked to so many people that say, I go to church every week at X place and I never get fed. I'm just still hungry. We have a job to do and that's feed the flock. Feed the church. Help the membership to be edified. Now, we get together twice a week. We get together on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. Sometimes on Wednesdays, uh, on the first Wednesday. We get together for gospel meetings. But you think about the amount of time that we're together, assembled in one area. For you to be edified fully and completely in two hours a day, really 30 minutes. Carrie says I'm talking a long time if I talk 30 minutes. So if 30 minutes you can get fed with everything you need, uh, that's probably not possible. And so we can't just edify in the assembly. We've got to have a plan to edify outside the assembly, publicly and from house to house. And so you see goals in there about doing home studies with members. Not just about the gospel, not just about the basics. That's where you come in. If you've got a topic you need edified on, you've got to let someone know. Let one of the elders know. And let them help you. Let us all help you study together. We'll identify the right person to come and, and who, who can be the expert on that topic and can share with you what you need to know. So if you're not getting fed in the assembly, don't just sit bodily, bodily, idly by and let that happen. Identify that. Say, we're not talking on this subject enough. Or we need to study this in a private and, and get our minds wrapped around that because edification is so critically important. 
1 Corinthians 14 and 26, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, let every one of you have a psalm, have a doctrine, have a tongue, have a revelation, have an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. And so in the assembly, all things being done unto edifying. You're going to see a goal on there that we want to start having a, a singing instruction. And maybe we'll do that annually. Maybe we'll do that on first Wednesdays at some point in time. Uh, to, to get more competent in that area. To make our singing as edifying as possible. Now do you just have to sing good for it to be edifying? No, certainly not. But we want that singing to be uplifting. We want those that come in from the outside to be uplifted. To get excited because of what they hear. Because they can hear singing with the Spirit. And singing with the understanding. When you pray, and one of the elders say, hey, maybe you need to think about this and this and this when you pray next time. Don't get offended by that. But take that into account. That all they want is for the assembly to be edifying. For the prayer to be edifying. For the prayer to serve the needs of the membership. For teaching to be edifying. And so again, if an elder approaches you and says, hey, we need you to think about this when you teach. Maybe you should try this. Or maybe you should not do this. Don't get offended by that. It's just them doing their job and trying to make the services as edifying as they possibly can be. When they ask you to attend teacher training, do that because we want that to be successful. And you'll see goals about that teacher training for new teachers and teacher training for experienced teachers because we can all get together and learn together in order to make the assemblies uh, more edifying. The communion is even a time of edification where we should learn how to focus our minds and draw it in from the cares and troubles of the world. And so uh, when, we, when we try to oversimplify that or we don't know what to say and the elders come to us and try to walk us through that, how to make that more edifying, how to help people focus their mind, that's all these are components to strengthen the church, to make it a more edifying assembly because that's the job of the church to present things in edification. And then again, I mentioned the home study. Studying with membership. Not about the basics, but about more meaty topics. Things that are harder to understand. Things that are harder for us to wrap our minds around. Sitting down and taking the time. Maybe that's 30 minutes. Maybe it's an hour or 8 or 12. Or maybe that's a year-long commitment to study a specific topic and, and become competent in that area. And so these are just ways that you'll see of we want to try to edify membership. And we want you to be a part of that process. Not to sit by and, and just hope that it happens. But to actively be engaged. And to actively communicate when you see there are gaps. And when you see there are holes. And when you see there are other areas that we need to strengthen. Uh, that we can be more edifying in our assemblies and in our, in our efforts uh, one to one. The third congregational goal is to support benevolence. And benevolence just means good deeds, good, uh, good actions, positive actions, helping others. Uh, that's, we typically think of giving money when we think about benevolence. It's more than that. It's giving of time. It's giving of effort. It's, it's helping one another is what it really is, both within our congregation and to those that are, that are out in the community. And so there's, there's goals about how we can support benevolence. I want to read a scripture in Acts 11 and verses 28 through 30. 
It says here, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which had come to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So this uh, person gets up, uh, Agabus, and he prophesies. And he says there's going to be a, there's gonna be a, a drought, a dearth, a problem, and it's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to be difficult, hard times uh, that are going to affect, uh, affect things. So what did they say? It says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. It says, when they learned of a need, when they learned there was something that needed to be done, it says that they didn't sit idly by. They said, what can we do about it? It said every person according to their ability. So some couldn't give as much. Some could give more. Some maybe had time to, to actually go there and physically help. Some maybe could only send money or send prayers or send uh, letters or notes, uh, letting people know that they were being thought about and supported. But they all did what they could do. And when the congregation all does what we can do to support others, whether that's other congregations in need, whether that's brethren in India, Nigeria, Mexico, Belize, wherever the work has taken place, wherever we can support people, let's do what we can do. Let's help how we can help. Let's be determined, just as these brethren were, determined to help out and determined to provide support. And then we see in Galatians 6 and verse 2 that we're to bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so that's part of benevolence. That we work together within this congregation to help one another out. To bear one another's burdens. Whether those burdens are of a physical nature or a spiritual nature. That we're there for one another. That we're there to support. That we're there to protect. That we're there to shield. And that we're there uh, when the times get tough that we can work with one another. Uh, not judge one another, not doubt one another, not bite and devour one another, but help bear one another's burden. That's part of benevolent efforts. And this congregation needs and wants to be engaged in that. That's goals of this congregation. <clears throat> Finally, uh, a congregational goal is to teach sound doctrine, to maintain, to be engaged in continual and perpetual teaching of sound doctrine. We've seen churches that over time have moved away from the truth. Churches of Christ. Churches that maybe we would have been associated with in the past that we're not associated with anymore because of the kind of teaching that they do now. It's not true. They've moved away from sound doctrine. They teach things that just aren't true. And we don't want that to happen here. None, none of us want that to happen, do we? But we've got to have goals in order in place to prevent that from happening. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church was established to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. The place that people could turn to. The place that people could go to for the truth. And now people are skeptical of that institution that God established that's supposed to be the truth. We've got to make sure that this is one place that our membership can go to, that others can look to, that's going to teach the truth. Whether it's comfortable or not. Whether it's fun to hear or not. The church didn't get charged with being fun. The church got charged with being the pillar and the ground of the truth. 
with maintaining sound doctrine, with being honest with the Scriptures and interpreting it in a way that God put it forth for it to be. To do that in worship, to do that in behavior, to do that in the way that we teach others that they should live their day-to-day lives. Who would have thought that now we've got to teach morality in terms of of uh, what, it's, what it means to be a moral person, what it means to be right in the way we live our daily lives, but that's the case. And this church has responsibility to do that uh, into the future. <clears throat> in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, as it discusses the qualifications for a bishop, it says that it should be a person that can hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gangsayers. So putting people in place in leadership roles that can convince the gangsayers, that can share the truth of the message, it's not easily swayed. The Bible says don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. When this doctrine comes along, then oh, we're going to come over here and teach this and believe this. And then when this one comes along over here, okay, we're going to go over here and teach this and believe this. No, there is a truth. There's a truth of the message, the truth of the gospel, a truth of how we live, a truth of the, the, how we worship. All those things are laid forth in the Scriptures and must be maintained and must be taught on. And so there's goals of this congregation to help ensure that. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. That's why we believe it's so important to do teacher training for new teachers. Teacher training for existing teachers. That's why we believe it's important to have goals. And Sean's been teaching on leadership and, and looking forward to that day when we put in uh, additional leadership because it's so critically important to the maintaining of sound doctrine. Teaching of sound doctrine. Congregational goals should support your personal goals. Those personal goals that you have Obeying the gospel, bearing fruit, enduring and overcoming. Those are important goals. You're going to have specific goals in each of those areas to help you to do that. The goals of the congregation should support those goals. You should be able to look at the goals of the congregation that we post back there and they should be things that are helping you reach your personal spiritual goals. If they're not, come to us and talk to us about that because they probably need to be reorganized, rewritten in some way. That's the great thing about goals. Uh, we're going to talk about them more regularly than we ever have before. And they're going to change over time. We may see an action item that arises that needs to be taken care of. We're going to do that and tend to that. Just because something's not on a sheet of paper don't mean we don't do it or that it's not important. But it helps us be accountable. And that's what we're after with goals. Your personal goals uh, should be supported by the goals of this congregation. And at the same time, your personal goals should support the goals of the congregation. You should have goals in place that are helping build this congregation, make it stronger. You should have goals in place that, that allows you to grow and, and contribute more and give more to this congregation so that it can be what it needs to be. And so ask yourself those questions. Is my uh, personal goals contributing to the congregation? Is the congregational goals contributing to my personal goals. And if there's, if there's not, we need to talk about what's the reason for that. One of us is off track, and we need to determine which, uh, uh, which it is. What is your goal? We mentioned this to begin with. Our goal is to get to heaven. 
Are you doing things to get you there? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.